Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, uh, we're, this is going to be a good one. Katie Rocco is with us, and she is with Keller Williams North Fulton. We're going to come to Katie in just a second. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to Renaissance Bank, where we're, of course, our studio is located inside Renaissance Bank in Alpharetta. And, you know, Renaissance just got voted one of the top 10 banks in the country in a survey done by Forbes magazine. For me, I think the reason that happened, uh, and I work with Renaissance all the time, I think the reason that happened is because they are big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but small enough to do it in a personal way. If that's the kind of bank you're looking for, I would encourage you to go to renaissancebank.com, find their local office, and give them a call, and check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And again, I want to welcome Katie Rocco, an old friend. She is with Keller Williams North Fulton. Katie, welcome. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, great to have you. So let's talk a little bit about you and the work you do at Keller Williams North Fulton. Talk a little bit about how you're serving folks out there. So I've been in real estate for just under nine years, and I love to help people build wealth in real estate. That's really what every day is about. So we help buyers, uh, we help sellers, and we help investors. So our goal is to make home dreams come true and build wealth along the way. So talk a little bit about your journey and why real estate for you. That is a good question um, and probably an unexpected answer. So about 10 years ago, I was working in mortgage, actually. Okay. So I was a loan processor. I was running a mortgage branch and kind of became office manager slash processor and um uh, branch manager. And my husband was also in the mortgage industry. And for years he had been saying, you should get into real estate. You would love it and you'd be great at it. So 2013, I decided to just get him off my back <laughs> and go to real estate school. And I was convinced I couldn't do it. Um, and then I passed and, um, so Hold it. you were convinced you could not do it. Yes. Why were you so convinced you couldn't do it? Um, I, after, particularly after your husband said you could. I, I think I, I he, just didn't have a lot of... Um, he's laughing right now. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was the best thing. I'm glad I did that. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great choice. And I think one thing that he saw in me was I love people and I love yeah. helping people. And one thing I didn't get in the mortgage industry was the after relationship piece. We would close. They'd be done. I'd never talk to him again. And right. in real estate, it's not that way. So... I'm very thankful he pushed me like he did. Yeah, and um, maybe you just saw the the all the things you have to do. The, I guess the technical piece of real estate, as opposed to just working with people. I mean, if you're able to work with people, there's a lot of things you can do, right? Very true. And I think I I love. I'm a solution oriented person, and I definitely got to work with everybody across the board. <laughs> so I saw the really good ones and the ones that needed to improve quite a bit. And so once I did get into it, I got to 
decide who I wanted to be and what I wanted to be. And so mm. that experience in the mortgage side actually was really helpful. Mm. Yeah. And you, and you really can, I mean, you're your own boss. You work for Keller Williams, but you're a realtor. That's an independent contractor essentially. Right. I mean, that's, um, essentially what you are. You, you, you simply hang your license at Keller Williams so you can make your business, whatever you want it to be. So talk about maybe the early days and where you, how you decided to build your business. Yeah. So that is true. And every brokerage is a little bit different. So Mm -hmm. Keller Williams is different in the sense they do let us brand our own ourselves and kind of build a business within the business. Mm -hmm. So I've been with Keller Williams for about eight and a half years and Mm -hmm. I've stayed there because of that reason. Um, yes, you can pick any real estate agent, some are full-time, some are part-time. Um, but something that I chose to do very early on because of the guidance, uh, I had a mentor who took me under his wing from the beginning and encouraged me to think big. So coming from the loan processor world, I had no idea what could happen in the real estate world as far as a business goes. Cause oftentimes when you talk to a realtor, you might think, you know, here's somebody that has to work nonstop nights, weekends, always has to be available. Well, I chose pretty early on that I didn't want that. Hmm. So within Keller Williams, I started to learn that I could build a business. And so from, from day one, I started to kind of, uh, work towards that. So as soon as I got to a point where I felt like I couldn't handle anything else, I started to work on building that business. So yes, independent contractor, we do get to make our own rules, but Mm -hmm. I've also seen, people in the industry that don't manage that well really don't stay long-term because you'll burn out. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So let's talk and we're recording this show here in May, 2022. So uh, folks, if you're listening to this six months from now, uh, you know uh, that things have changed, but let's talk a little bit about the current market and what things look like today. Yes. So this is definitely the most interesting market that I've worked in, in Mm -hmm. the last nine years. Um, my husband and I, he was in the mortgage industry back in 06, 07. So Mm. on the sidelines, I got to watch (laughs) that economy change. Yeah, Um, for sure. But I didn't start till 2013. So I started to see the market as it changed in 2013 and just slowly climb. Um, And then when COVID hit in 2020, we weren't sure what to expect. We sort of thought that there was going to be a recession, just like the rest of the world. We weren't sure. And so today um, we've continued to see the the inventory decrease year over year. So just today I saw a statistic that nationally we're down 10% in inventory Mm -hmm. since last year. Mm. So what that means is... um, we need more homes to sell. Right. So the demand with the buyers is huge because we have a whole millennial generation who want to buy a home. Um, we've got moved down, step down sellers who want to, um, maybe the kids are out of school and they want a smaller home. And then we've got families that are growing that need a bigger home. So there's so much movement happening. And with the interest rates that were 2% or 3%, it created a huge frenzy, mm-hmm. but now we're up, you know, just shy of five and a half percent. And there's still a frenzy. So the market that we're in, uh, let me kind of give perspective for those that don't understand the real estate lingo. Um, So we have in the metro Atlanta, North Atlanta suburbs, we have just under one month supply of inventory across the board. So really in all price points, kind of as as an average. And what that means is if we didn't list another home and we continued to sell at the same pace we are, 
we would run out of homes to sell in less than a month. Mm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. A balanced market is six months. So anything under six months is a seller's market. So a lot of folks are hearing, oh, it's a great time to sell, sell your home. But then where are they going to go? So typically my question when someone calls me is, do you have a plan of where you're going to go? Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then we need to have a deeper discussion. Um, And so this market, I guess the the challenging parts of it um, is a lot of a lot of folks wanting to buy a home simply can't right now. So we're learning in this market to set proper expectations. So the first phone call that we have, we talk about what's going on in the market and really are they able to play in the market? Mm. And that just means you need to have a lot of extra cash. You need to probably be willing to remove some contingencies. There's a lot of different things. And so we're just learning in the process um, to, to set those expectations up front with both buyers and sellers to have as smooth of a, a process as possible. And it removes a lot of frustration when you go into the process with the right expectation. Right, for sure. And uh, again, we're recording this show May 2022. Um, But what is the way out of this? I mean, this sounds like market conditions that are going to last for a while because you cannot just instantly produce inventory in the housing market, right? Right. And boy, I'd love to have (laughs) that answer. I think a lot of people would love me to have that answer. Sure. Um, I'm starting to see a little bit of a change. we're starting to see a little bit more fallout and it started in the higher price point. And what that looks like is somebody maybe the week of changing their mind because they don't like a driveway or mm. that they, they woke up and just decided they didn't um, like something about it. Or um, the stock market is very volatile right now. Mm. <laughs> so a lot of people's income is tied to that. And right. so they may terminate if they lose money in the stock market. So we're that's kind of the, the start. I'm starting to see that more and more across the board. And so when that starts to happen, the demand starts to uh, go down just a little bit. Um, the other thing is builders are building more homes than they were. They're pulling more permits. But then you've got the supply issue, correct? You, right. you know, that, that yeah. we've had. So sure. um, I don't obviously have a crystal ball here, but when you start having things in the stock market start to change or world events happening, um, people become a little bit more cautious. And mm-hmm. if, you know, if we do see a recession next year or whenever that comes, um, typically, you know, job loss starts to happen and people start to move. But currently, a lot of people are sitting tight. Mm. Um, and so if something starts to happen, more people will start going to market and not wanting the risk. We are actually starting to see that happen a little bit. Um, people are starting to feel like this is the top of the market maybe. And so they want to get out and they're willing to maybe rent. So that is starting to happen a little bit. We, we need thousands of homes before we get into a balanced market. So Mm. we actually look forward to that. Right. These, these sound like folks that have the scars of, 2007, 2008, 2009, right? A little bit. Um, but I think something that's different today is because I definitely have some PTSD from 2008, <laughs> <laughs> like many of us do. Of course. Um, so just being careful not to have a lack mindset, to be honest. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of people sitting on a lot of cash right now. Um, not exactly sure why, but in 2020, everybody had to kind of quit traveling. So spending went down. Um, Maybe Amazon went up, but overall, just a lot of uh, a lot of people had a lot more cash. Mm-hmm. So the difference today from back in 2008 is people are 
financially in a better place. There's a lot more equity in their home. Mm. So I think some of them are sitting, they've invested 2020 and 2021. Um, there was a lot of statistics about a lot of home improvements made. Mm-hmm. So people creating home offices and different things like that. Um, so with the way humans roll, they'll maybe be content in that for a couple of years and then they'll want to make a move. Um, I think if rent was not so expensive as well right now, people would probably take advantage of this and make more moves. So there's just a lot of parts that play into all of it. And, um, there's, it's a, Atlanta and the North Atlanta area is extremely desirable right now. Um, as Mm -hmm. far as affordability and quality of life, as you know. Yeah, for sure. Folks we are chatting with Katie Rocco. Katie is a realtor team lead. She's got the, the Rocco team that she leads, uh, as part of Keller Williams, North Fulton. So let's clarify the area that you work in, Katie. Is it exclusively North Fulton or do you expand beyond that in terms of where your team goes? So, yes, I do have a small team. So we are able to serve uh, the greater Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. So we I would say our primary area is Alpharetta and about 20 miles from there. But we do occasionally um, go further than that. We are, mm-hmm. our business is built on referrals. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of where they call and need us to help them. Um, and if it is out of our range, we've got partners all around the area that we can connect them with the next best agent. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the, uh, and I, I wanted to get to that because your perspective on the market, how, how much of that is unique to let's say North Fulton versus, um, uh, and, and I guess what's the North Fulton take, if you will, on market conditions right now? Yeah, so I definitely feel like we're in a bit of a bubble here in the uh-huh. North Atlanta area. I call it the perfect bubble. So uh-huh. sometimes we have to maybe go to the city to see what reality is as far as downtown Atlanta. Um, two total different markets. Mm. So we see a lot of people even moving up from Buckhead over the last year just due to current conditions and safety and and whatnot. Um, and Alpharetta over the last five to 10 years has completely regentrified. I mm-hmm. use Alpharetta as an example because that's where we are right sure. now. Um, but when you expand to Milton, Cumming, Dawsonville, Johns Creek, um, Roswell, all these areas have become extremely desirable. Mm-hmm. And Alpharetta specifically, being the tech capital of the Southeast, right. is really drawing a lot of eyes uh, from all around the country. So mm-hmm. we're, we're helping families from all over the country, actually the world right now, even some international moving here, and they're doing their research online. So the quality of life, the schools, um, and the business is a big driving factor right now. Um, so I do think we're in a bit of a bubble. It's not the same just from different realtors and folks I talk to from around the country. It's not the same. The prices are going up here. I would say they're increasing more than mm-hmm. the average. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks moving in from California, New Jersey, New York, which those prices I don't believe right. are doing the same. Yeah. So yeah, their money spins a little differently, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I get it. I get it. So one of the things that we were talking about is before we came on the air is in a lot of ways you view this market as one of the most difficult real estate markets ever. And that's runs contrary to, I think the way a lot of people see it is that you must be doing uh, just making money hand over fist, right? With all these uh, <laughs> the demand for real estate, so forth. Right. Yeah. So t- t- talk about that disconnect. Yeah, that's interesting because the perception 
And I, I get this from the comments that I get. Oh, yeah. you're, you must be crazy right now. You must be making all this money right now. Right. And like I mentioned earlier, I actually believe this is a bit of a recession for real estate agents and mortgage people. And the reason is because if you have less than one month supply of inventory and you have 20% of the agents, which is the average, you know, um, doing the business, what is, what, if, if the homes aren't being sold, what are all these other folks in the business? Um, what are they doing? And I'll give you an example. Um, I listed a home and we had 240 showings and we received 64 offers And that was my first aha of one buyer got that home. So what are these 239 other buyers doing? There's, there's not even that many homes in the market for them. Right. So, um, so there's definitely a lot less of business happening right now, but as far as the most difficult, and I don't say that in a not being capable way, obviously. Um, but I think what's interesting about this market is with the competition, both the listing agent, whether, you know, whether you're a listing agent or a buyer's agent, or you do both, um, there's different complications. So I'll use the 240 showing listing as an example on the listing side, that coordinating 240 showings, and then having all those agents call to see what they can do to, um, to make sure that they're, they get their offer accepted or whatnot. Um, coordinating that with a, with a seller and kids climbing in beds. There's just a lot that comes with that doorknobs breaking because of this frenzy and this flurry. Right. Um, there's a lot more steps then when the offers start to come in to be able to read through and, and as an expert knowing those contracts, there's actually a lot of agents right now who don't even have, they don't even speak clear English. So there's a lot of things that the, the average person or in the public or the news is not talking about um, that just the average homeowner isn't even going to know what to look for, you know, even from contingencies. And, you know, we could go on and on about all the different things, but that's the listing perspective. Then you take the buyer side who's maybe competing against 63 other buyers, right? Mm-hmm. How do you know if you're not doing this on a day-to-day basis and winning from time to time, mm-hmm. how do you even know what to ask, right? So right. you mentioned a little bit earlier, we have a small team. Um, there's a team of five of us. And basically something that we love to do at our weekly team meeting is talk from both sides what's going on. So me as a, I serve on the listing side um, and I'm sharing with them what I'm seeing. They're sharing with me what they're seeing from the buyer's perspective. Mm. So we are constantly at the front line. Okay, this is now something that we're seeing people remove from offers. What do we still need to include this? So a buyer's agent, if they're just coming in and maybe selling five transactions a year, mm-hmm. um, they're not going to know that today in this ever moving market, we're no longer asking for this contingency. Or now um, we had recently um, somebody's uh, provided a basket for a family with some personal items. And it was this beautiful emotional um, bond between the buyer and the seller. They ended up getting the house. So little, little things like that, um, that's something that I had seen on the listing side and mm. one of my buyer's agents was able to use on the buyer side and it wow. brought a win, wow. right? So it's constantly changing and who would think, right? A little yeah. basket of goodies. Sure. Um, but that is that ever, that market is constantly changing. Um, and so really understanding and knowing, and there are so many emotions. We're not just real estate agents. We're actually therapists <laughs> and sometimes marriage <laughs> counselors and all this stuff. And so, right. you know, being able to, to guide through an extremely emotional market, it just, it, it's another level added onto an agent right now. So, you know, that's really interesting uh, because again, we talked about this at, at, uh, at the hit, top of the show, 
you know, it's, it's great to have technical proficiency in what you do and you have to have that, but to understand, put that through the, the filter of people and their reaction to what's going on in the market and, and, uh, helping help guiding guide them and have the skill and ability to be able to do that is so key. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about how to select a realtor. I mean, how, what should you mentioned this 20% figure? What, and maybe we ought to start there. 20% 20% of the, of the real estate agents out there are active or viable? I mean, what's the 20%? <laughs> Good question. Um, and I haven't actually done this on my own. These are statistics. That okay. 20% of the real estate agents are doing 80% of the business. Got it. Okay. So there's a lot of, um, I can't, there's, there's thousands of new realtors getting their mm-hmm. license every year. Sure. And a lot of them have other jobs or they might get their license just to do, you know, a family home and they're not full-time real estate agents. Mm-hmm. I used to serve on the, um, the 400 North realtor board. And so we saw the incoming and the outgoing and it was like 90% got out after three years, just crazy, crazy statistics. Wow. But it makes sense if you're getting into it kind of passively. Um, I hear people at times talk about, I love looking at houses, so I want to get into real estate. And I've decided to be very honest with them mm-hmm. and say, you know, if you don't like people and you don't like hard work, don't get in the industry, just go tour homes, get on Zillow. Mm. Um, so a lot of people expectations aren't correct. Um, but as far as the 20%, so you've got maybe, you know, maybe 20%, maybe more who are full-time agents, but real estate is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, like you mentioned earlier, being an independent contractor, if you don't treat it like a full-time job, you'll be, you'll just be passed by. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, and I think you mentioned when you select an agent, what question yeah, you ask. Absolutely. And I love that question because I think if you Google what questions to ask a realtor, you do get a list. And I can always tell when someone's done that <laughs> because those are the questions they ask, uh, which is great. You know, there's no question that's not a, that's not a good question. Um, we do this every day. And so it, it comes, you know, naturally for us. But if it's your first time buying or selling, you're clueless. Right. right. Um, so you do rely on Google. Um, so I would say the, probably the most important thing is to really get to know the realtor. So it's a very, very close relationship. Um, you're talking sometimes several times a day and almost every day for could be several months and you're spending mm-hmm. a lot of time together. Right. So I think the most important thing is trust. You really want to make sure it's somebody that you can trust. So mm-hmm asking those questions, but just getting to know about their business. Um, a lot of folks that contact us have gone through and read our reviews, which are words from our past clients. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't tweak those. We don't, we have nothing to do with that. It's, it's cycled through a lot of times Zillow. So right. a lot of times by the time someone calls us, they'll say, we've read through every single review. We want to work with you because of X, Y, Z. So questions I would ask, um, you know, learn a little bit about their business, learn, um, why, maybe why they're in the business. Um, some of those questions is going to give some insight. Um, there's, there's different types of business. I I like to call, um, some, some businesses is you're just another number. You're just a transaction, Mm. you know? So if my team, um, if we set a goal of we're going to sell a hundred homes this year, that could feel like you're just another transaction. Right. The way we do it is we decide how many families we're going to help a year. Mm. So every single person that calls us is another family. 
And we know this is their largest investment, whether they're buying or selling. And so if they're selling, we want to make sure that they get top dollar. If they're buying, we want to make sure that it's a place that their family's comfortable to call home. So it's just kind of digging a little bit deeper. Um, I don't think I would give an exact ask these 10 questions because we could have that scripted. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Cause you, you can Google all those questions yourself. Yes. So, yes. so what, what, what is the question that's not on Google <laughs> that someone's need needs to be asking their realtor, right? I mean, what, what's that, yeah. what's that question uh, that gives real insight? Well, and I, I love when someone asks me this question, when they say, why should I pick you mm-hmm. above another agent? Right. And you can, you can tell, um, when you're sitting at a kitchen table with somebody, you can tell when it's coming from the heart and when it's genuine. Um, but I would say too, a great way to know what's going on, um, with a real estate agent is reading the reviews online. So Google their name. And if they don't even have a picture on realtor.com, probably, Mm. (laughs) you know, that that's some insight. You should know who's coming to your home. There should be a complete profile across the board. You should be able to Google their name and some stuff pulls up. If not, um, I'd want to know why Mm. just because of the social world we're in. Um, but I think, um, two, two, the two most important questions I think I'd want to know is, um, how many families you, you, you help a year. Um, if it's four, probably not getting enough experience you know, maybe. Right. Um, and then what kind of support they have. So if it's an individual agent and they're servicing 50 families a year, you might not get the service that you're looking for. And I don't want to say across the board because we've got superheroes in this world. Oh, sure. Um, but just kind of thinking through some of that and seeing what kind of support staff that they have, you know, um, if, if we're going to help a hundred families, I need to have quite a bit of backup support as well as maybe other agents helping me. So just kind of, um, thinking through also what is important to you as a buyer or a seller. If communication is important, ask about their communication structure. If, um, if, if top dollar is important to you, ask about their negotiation strategy. So kind of learning, knowing what's important to you and asking some questions around that and then letting them share their experience, maybe giving you a few examples of that. Mm. I would imagine some folks, they don't know what's important to them. I mean, they know the price is important. They know some, some things are like that, but there may be some things that they really don't think about when they're interviewing their, their potential real estate representative. True. True. Um, it is interesting. Some do, uh, I've had very pointed questions um, which I love again. And I've also been told before that the the wife was going to pick based on who she felt comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so the husband was asking these questions while she could sit there and kind of read if she was going to be comfortable or not. So in that case, yes, you kind of know what you're looking for. Um, but obviously in a real estate transaction, the end goal is to achieve top dollar and hopefully have a seamless, uh, transaction. So sometimes just asking a few examples of, um, you know, uh, some success stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of success stories, uh, Katie, I want to give you that opportunity <laughs> to talk a little, maybe about one uh, or two success stories, whatever's comfortable. Uh, and I know uh, you're in the confidentiality business, so you, maybe you can't mention names, but if you could talk about a, a some work that you're particularly proud of in terms of the client you've worked with. Sure. Yeah. And I, I won't mention names just yeah. because, um, yeah of confidentiality. Right. Um, but so 
as I mentioned, we're a small team. I serve on the seller side. And then I've got a few agents I work with who serve on the buyer side. So I'll give a seller side example. So what I love to do in this business, I love to negotiate. It's kind of a game for me, if you mm. will, and I like to win. <laughs> so um, so I'll give an example. I was representing a seller who had purchased their home two years before, and they had paid in the 600000 range. So they were moving to Colorado uh, for job change and whatnot, and so they hired me to sell their home. And we put it on the market. The comps show that it was worth probably seven seventy five. Mm-hmm. This was this is a very recent transaction, so you can kind of see the the value gain there. Right. Um, so we we decided to go ahead and push it a little bit, put it on the market at seven ninety nine, and they um, we, we decided to go ahead and put it on the market. First day, we had several showings, and I received a call from one of the agents who said, "My buyers want the house. What would it take?" to get the house. And I said, send me an offer. We were planning to go through the weekend, but send me an offer. I'll see what I can do. So I get an offer for eight fifty, and you might say, whoa, you listed too low. That could be a, that could be a thought, right? So I call the sellers and I say, I've got an offer for you. It's at eight fifty, and there are no contingencies. We're talking no inspections, no appraisal contingency. They'll pay the difference. Um, and in, in any sort of appraisal gap, and the seller said, hold on while we pick up our jaw off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Hold on while I pick my jaw up off the floor, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, so at the same time, mm-hmm. I got another offer. And so I told the seller, I received another offer. It's also at 850. Mm-hmm. And they said, but it did have some contingencies and, and, and whatnot. So um, they, they said, we'll go with this other offer. And I said, would you like another 25000 And they said, uh, sure. And I said, let me just at least try. So I went back to this other agent and negotiated in such a way that it created a bit of a frenzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and said, if you can come to eight seventy five, we'll take it off the market and we have a deal with, she didn't even ask about the other offer just because of the kind of frenzy feel, if sure. you will. Um, they came back at eight seventy five with no contingencies and the seller signed it. Wow. And what was interesting about that is 30 days later or with, within the, within about 30 days, we closed the home only appraised at seven seventy seven. Mm. So the buyer had to bring 98,000 in cash over mm-hmm. the full ask, mm. but it was a solid deal because I also made sure that they paid 40,000 in earnest money. Mm which is another tactic, right? You got to know these things because if it appraised for 98,000 less, it hurts a little bit more to walk away at 40,000 than it would at 10,000 earnest money. Right. Right. So all that to say, uh, you know, there's a lot of different pieces in the, in the um, transaction. And so I had a lot of fun with that. Got them an extra Mm 25,000, which helped their purchase in Denver, you know, gave them a little bit more, but um, wouldn't have had to do that. But because I love to do that and I love to make it a win as much as possible for my clients. Um, that's, that's a story I'm proud of. Wow. That's a great story. And, and that's, that's such a great story because it's so illustrative of the value that you bring for the commission you get. I mean, there's so many people out there that think, Oh, it's a strong market. I think I can do this myself. Right. Why do I need a, a real estate professional and, and hand over that commission when anybody, anybody can do it, quote unquote. Right. And what you've 
that story you just gave shows that there's value. Yeah. In, well, and having a professional like you. Well, and I could give you one more quick example. Please. So um, one of the ladies that I work with on our team, she's a buyer, buyer specialist, and she told us the story one week at our team meeting that she had submitted an offer on a for sale by owner, and she was able to bring the price down, even in a competitive market, ask for repairs as well as contingencies. And the seller shared way more than he should have shared because Mm. he had no representation. Mm. Probably had he had an actual real estate agent representing him, he could have achieved who knows how many tens of thousands above what he did. But because she knew he had no representation, and hear me when I say we're not being unethical or dishonest, but we understand what our clients are hiring them for. If our clients are hiring as as their buyer specialist, we are going to get them the very best deal possible, which means using our um, knowledge and expertise to, if we know there's no representation there, we're going to play that the best possible way that we can. Sure, sure. So it was a huge disadvantage to that seller, actually, to not be represented. Makes perfect sense. Katie Rocco is with us, folks. She is uh, runs the Katie Rocco team at Keller Williams North Fulton. So, Katie, you... Uh, I can't let uh, this show end without talking about your community involvement because you're really active in the community. So let's let's uh, shout a, shout out a little bit of that work. Uh, yes, I absolutely love the community that I live in. Um, I was just talking to a councilman about an issue this week, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I know you as a realtor, blah blah blah." And I said. Yes. Um, real estate is my business, but I am a resident here Mm. and a resident first and a business second. And, um, so I love where I live and I, I, I've plugged into it because I love that even though it's a fairly large, um, community, it still has that small community feel. So, um, about five years ago, I joined the Rotary Club of Alpharetta. I was looking for a place just to serve. I called it sort of my system in place for Mm -hmm. serving. If I had time, I wanted to know what I could do. And so I joined the Rotary Club, really just planning to kind of hide in the background and serve every so often if I was able to. And um, just fell in love with the people, fell in love with the opportunities uh, that we could bring to the community as a group of people. And um, just dug in deeper and deeper each year. And about three years ago, they asked me to be, well, they started four years ago and I said, absolutely not. Um, and then three years ago, I finally said yes to becoming the president of the club. Mm. And so I will, July 1st of this year, I will become the president of the Rotary Club of Alpharetta. That's awesome. Super excited. It's a group of people that does great, great things for the Mm -hmm. community. Um, and another opportunity that I had presented a couple of years ago was to serve on the design and review board for the city of Alpharetta. So we get the pleasure of um, having really it's it, it's a lot of the commercial projects that are coming to the Alpharetta area or that are already here. So let's say you see all these white brick buildings that are mm-hmm. being painted right now in 2022. Right. Um, they have to bring their presentations before our board. Um, there's eight of us and we get to approve that. So it's so much fun. It mm-hmm. gives me some insight of what's coming to the community, both <laughs> residential and commercial. Um, and so that's, that's something of value that I get to provide to our clients oh, is, yeah. you know, we know this is coming and these neighborhoods and, um, this, the mall is happening and this and that. And so just gives me a little bit more insight and I have so much fun doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Such great work. Katie Rocco folks, uh, Katie, this has been great. And I can't imagine that there aren't some folks 
hearing this interview that don't want to be in touch. So let's tell them how they can do that. Well, if you take my advice and Google my name, you'll find me. Um, but you can also visit our website at www.therocoteam.com. That's with two C's, therocoteam.com. Katie Rocco, folks. She is with the Katie Rocco team, as you just heard, and also Keller Williams, North Fulton. Katie, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Hey, folks, just a uh, suggestion. If you're looking for a unique place to have a corporate team building event, something that uh, really surprises and delights uh, your team members, here's my suggestion. Give Andrew Traub over at ANS Culinary Concepts a call, 678-336-9196. Now, you heard me correctly. A&S Culinary Concepts. Yes, it's an award-winning culinary studio, and they do corporate catering and all sorts of events around food. But they also do a corporate team building, um, uh, corporate team building work that is awesome. And I've been involved with uh, several of the things that they've done, and and they do terrific work, and it's a lot of fun. And so, if you're looking for something different for your team building activity, uh, give Andrew a call. You can also go to asculinaryconcepts.com for more information. And folks, North Fulton Business Radio is a search term. If you are not subscribed to our show on your favorite podcast app, we would love it if you would do so. And if you've heard something here that uh, uh, strikes you as something you want to share, please share the show. That's how we get the word out on the great business leaders that we interview here on North Fulton Business Radio, uh, great business leaders like Katie and the others that we've had over these past six years. So if you could support the show in that way, we would greatly appreciate it. So for my guest, Katie Rocco, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.